Welcome back to the Levity Zone. Yours truly, Dr. Bruce, recently returned from a positively interstellar journey to the far wilds of Western Australia. I was down under to present at an astrobiology conference in Perth and then to trek through hundreds of kilometers of scrub and the most ancient intact landscape on the planet, the 3.5 billion-year-old Pilbara Craton in the northwest of the Australian outback. While there, I broke rocks and broached new ideas on the origin of life with teams of geologists who study the early earth and fossil evidence for life called stromatolites. While there, I also found myself on camera with science journalist Richard Smith making a TV documentary called The Living Universe. On my return to California, the same film crew followed Dave Deemer and myself up to Bumpus Hell, a steaming volcanic hot spring system just north of San Francisco in Mount Lassen Volcanic Park. On camera again, I found myself using long-handled calipers to place a ceramic sample tray into a 93 Celsius, that's hot folks, fumarole vent emitting sulfurous, rotten egg-smelling gases. All of this has added up to a whole new understanding of our model for an origin of life, which Dave and I are now putting into two books. Beyond the question of where we came from, this next episode of The Levity Zone tackles a really important question for each of us, and for humanity as a whole. Where are we all going? One way to consider this is to ask yourself the question, what is your prime driver? Duran Dasu and I took this up in a studio session back in May of 2012. As our personally pertinent follow-on, to our last Levity Zone episode called Primal Theory, which was a dialogue on how the universe itself might work. Without spilling the beans, I will give you a hint as to what is going to be explored next. Are you driven by the rhythms of daily life, or by some kind of internal expectation or story? Do you believe in cause and effect? Or are we just natural processes coming to equilibrium? Are you seeking a prime driver to give you visionary insight, such as a psychedelic or other practice? Or are you practicing what Ramdas calls just being here now? Is our society increasingly driven by difference, by I got mine thinking? rather than inclusive existence in a flow of creative rhythms? And who is suffering in a world of difference? And how can we help them and all of us come to an exquisite equilibrium and live some of the time in the magic? So sit back and take in this lovely six-part contemplative chat between two old friends one day in May in the Redwoods. The musical interludes and overlays were artfully woven in by Mental Physics and Paradiso and Rasamayi. I have to thank Drew here for a heroic edit in the middle of festival season 
and for providing our cover art based on Ryan Norcus's treatment of my golden universe cosmogenesis to conscious awareness thought experiment of years ago. And thanks, of course, to Duran Dasu for an ongoing partnership and cool times together in the studio at the Blue Lotus Temple of Sound and Light. Find photos of my Australian and Bumpus science adventures, links to our musicians' works, and much, much more at the page for this episode at www.levityzone.org. So, Duran, the rhythm is the thing. The rhythm is the driver. The copies that come spitting out of these rhythmic processes would be a printing press or two lovers in a bed that are doing the rhythm and the machinery doesn't know it's spitting out the daily news and the lovers don't think about the kids that will spew forth. As a musician, the rhythm is what drives you. It's almost irrelevant what the music is. It's the rhythm that gets you going, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, not irrelevant, but... Not irrelevant. It's the rhythm. It's the rhythm. That, that's what drives stuff. Stuff. So it's really the day and night cycle. You get up in the morning, you go through your paces, and your your productivity in the universe is driven by this day-night cycle over and over again. You might get very little done in a, in a day, but it adds up. And then you, you were saying that it's difference across a barrier. Things flow across membranes. Sometimes science calls that potential or gradients. Gradients are where it's at. Things traveling from one place to another because there's difference in that potential. It's the engine of creation. That's the ions going across the cell membrane. They pump in energy and then they make reactions happen. And then stuff gets pushed out of the cell. And those are all on rhythms. So maybe rhythms are the arbiter of difference. It's the currency. It's the currency. So rhythm is the currency of difference. I think so, yeah. as in it's measured. Maybe not currencies. Currency just as a measure. As a measure. Not as value, but as a measure. So arbitrage, therefore, is yeah, a way of describing, is, yeah. It's a great way to look at it. <laughs> Everything's arbitrage. Of course, what's happened in your home country in India is a massive case of arbitrage on a huge scale. <laughs> done that one. Yes, we've done it. Done it. <laughs> guilt. <laughs> guilt. The, the difference between guilt and um, coming to rest completely peaceful in your bones and, and utterly, I wouldn't even say it's satisfied, but utterly okay with everything that is, you know, that's an enormous gap in our society and how many people are ever in the state where they're just completely satisfied, they're completely at rest. You know, it's got to be 
incredibly small percentage compared to maybe 500 years ago. Complete uh, okayness. And not necessarily stoned, but just okayness. I can get there on this yoga-type breathing thing. So what's interesting is if you wake up and you're, you're short of breath, you're taking short breaths as though you're in front of a computer, you, you think gloom and doom. And then your brain kicks into gear and it's thinking of all the tasks to do in the day and then you stop breathing then too, just like I just did at the moment, that moment. But then you kick into breathing again in this Sadarshan Kriya technique that I learned and suddenly this glow comes up inside of you of okayness and smileness or something. It's really powerful. And the other day I started singing during the Kriya uh, copying a 60s female singer. And it was such a release of energy and okayness that it really kind of vaporized the mind out of the equation. By the time I got back down to the house and I was washing dishes and thinking, if this energy that's coming up is so healing and it's so good, it, it's incredibly good, it, it just washes over you. And if, if you could have a connection to that all the time, that's everything. That's everything. There is nothing else. That connection to that feeling, that energy that's coming up, is everything. Because it puts you in that state of utter okayness with everything. The mind is well at bay and the center now has moved down here and the mind is no longer the center. Which for me is a major deal. It's not even the heart, it's further down. It's the source of this percolating, radiant okayness. breathing, I've turned on Kundalini and let them both go at once. And this is supposedly not recommended by masters. Don't turn on two powerful techniques at once. But I've done that and I've gone into a psychedelic state without drugs. So in some ways now I'm, I'm turning away from the top-down hammer, the big hammer coming down and putting you into the psychedelic state, whether you like it or not and saying, no, no, I'm gonna come up from the bottom, I'm gonna get there on my own two feet, you know, on the natch, and climb up into that state, because then it's it's something that, I don't know, it's, it's something that can be worked with. It's not something that you then experience and wait for it to pass and then try to use it. No, you made it. You made it yourself, and you piloted yourself into the space on your own endogenous power your own endogenous chemistry. Now, of course, can you get to the same high space? Maybe not, but if you're getting to a, a modicum of it, I think the value is so much higher because you can come back and you can integrate that into the transformation of your body. Everything can be transformed if you can do it with your own uh, wheels.
psychedelic state it can be beautiful and gentle and all that but it can be harsh and it's almost like why did i do this to my brain cells why did i overcharge them why did i wake them up out of a pretty good slumber and do this to these poor buggers and they're taking their revenge i'll tell you but you know it's like there's a big unfairness about it why did you do this to us I have to have a good reason. Said inequality, yeah, that's it. That was the reason. The inequality. There's something on this side of the membrane that wanted on the other side. That's right. <laughs> so in the synaptic gap, the LSD or whatever molecule goes across and it blocks a channel, or it opens a channel, and then there's this flood of other molecules, and the whole system is like what is going on there's this flood of molecules so the whole system just goes crazy and is forced to transmit it's, it's forced to deal with this saturation of other molecules released by this lock and key one that's blocking a channel or has opened a channel so then the whole system to deal with this uh, extraordinary overcharged flood and then get itself back to equilibrium its own equilibrium so it's now a big project of the brain to <laughs> deal with this. So that's at the, the biochemical level. I thought about uh, with the Hindu concept of karma, right? It means action, right? Mm. Not reaction, it means action. It means action. And I tend to look at prime driving action, right? As this, you know, fluid energy that is intent on moving, through membranes and <laughs> <laughs> until they reach a point of equilibrium, by which point it's already moved on to something else, you know? You know, from that standpoint, then no single element in, no bit in the whole picture has its own 
individuated uh, narrative, so to speak. You know? It's just leapfrogged or piggybacked by this fluid, that's fluid. energy that, you know, that's moving through, through matter. psychedelic causes a reaction. Psychedelics is not about taking action, it's about reacting to an overload of your system. So the flood across the membrane happens and then the whole system's reacting. But it's only when... Yes, I've completely thought of it that way. And part of the reaction, in my <laughs> opinion, is to jettison most useless cargo. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. It's like, okay, going through the membrane, don't need this on the other side. Don't need this, <laughs> Jess. You know? But you do need that. So, you know, I mean, it shuffles the whole deck. And so, so, all the fluffy bits gone in the way. So much stuff is coming through the membrane that fears you might have had or foibles or things just uh, become an impediment to <laughs> adjusting to the, the flow. And they have to go because you have to get to the core thing. If it's a very, very harsh you know, high dose, then you're jettisoning things left and right. You're in the hot air balloon and you have to throw the anvils overboard. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you're, uh, you're going down. Yeah. <laughs> so this, this membrane thing, so continue with this. This is kind of interesting is life is all about the flow. So when does reaction start becoming action? I mean, presumably the membrane's getting a lot of stuff going one yeah, way. That's the thing. I don't know if there is. That's when, at this point, I kind of question if there is such a thing as a reaction, you know, even philosophically, you know. Hmm. You know, like, let me put it in another way. If, as a couple, right, a male and a female are having unprotected sex, right, I know quite a few couples in this day and age who've gotten pregnant and said, yeah, it was a surprise. Hmm. Right? Wow, like they're reacting to something. Now, in my mind, like, this is still part of the action. <laughs> this is not reaction. You know, just it's because mentally, you know, our brain somewhere we draw a line. There isn't actually that line, like the stone in the water and the ripple. You know, I mean, there isn't an end point. I, I think looking at it that way tends to loosen up a cause and effect <laughs> thought process. Hmm. Yeah. On, on terms of arguing the psychedelic case or arguing for or against it, you get this flood which you cannot withstand so all kinds of visions happen changes happen you're lying down uh, the system's trying to adjust but you're getting pleasurable things nightmares things whatever but in the state of doing these kriyas or sitting in a hot tub drinking a glass of wine or turning on music because you can turn off the music you don't have to listen to the whole symphony and it doesn't become like in Clockwork Orange, right, where he's listening to Beethoven's Ninth with yes. toothpicks holding his eyes open or something. 
you know? So then it's, it's more like action, not reaction, because it's just not this overwhelm. Like the guru that, that told Ram Dass when he went to India, was asked him if he had any of these white pills and he took the LSD of 900 micrograms and the guru didn't have a reaction to those pills and said, yes, we've known about these things for thousands of years and they allow you to, to see into the place, but you can never stay there. So isn't it better to climb up into that place on your own, develop your muscles, develop your compass and go to that place, you know, at your own will. <clears throat> so that was the Ram Dass guru story. I think I'm paraphrasing it terribly, but... Yeah, because I don't see substances as a shortcut or path to any level of enlightenment or illumination. Like, I just don't think it, it works that way. Like, it just shows you stuff in the end. In the end. You are, you are where you are. <laughs> you know, this is... <laughs> You know, because there's no amount of psycho or mental navigation one can develop and come back and say, I got it all figured out. Like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I know my brain now. away from these things then of course what it is is like okay you know you don't want to be overdriven and be reacting because you fight against that but you love the space and of course then that puts the onus on you to say well can you just develop a mindset a heart set an internal mechanism to go in and stay in that space and the answer is yes it may not be as overdriven and it's push and pull like a roller coaster, but it is the same space and you can get there. And you get there when you're, when you're creative, you're in that space. But there's a certain thing to a psychedelic space, a sense you're in a magic world. And I think getting in and living in that magic world, that's so counterposed to the world that we see outside. You know, the world of worrying about your mortgage and driving your car and and task lists and people fighting and it's a world that is not magic at all there's no there's no grace to it it's a world that's forgotten yeah, i just had a, what might be an original thought okay <laughs> <laughs> it's a world that's forgotten about the rhythm because they're fixated on the inequality because that's what drives all this stuff right? it's um, everyone wanting to keep up with the, the, the joneses, joneses. Yeah. so it's forgotten about the the rhythm and yes, it's focused on the inequality. You know, that the actual, the real value is in the rhythm. The, you know, that the inequality part of it's just like a modulator for, for this you know, rhythm. stuff to flow across the memory, you know, to, you know, here to there, you know. So it would be the difference between you running a furniture store where all you're focused on is that monthly nugget and the terrible thing of having employees and, and all this stuff 
versus you're a maker of furniture. And so the maker of furniture, like your wonderful soundboard table there, the maker of furniture is so focused on the rhythm of, of making beautiful furniture and the creative rhythm that they don't even notice that on the outside there's an economic thing that's going on and their furniture is selling. But for them, they live in the spirit world. They're in the world of grace, of the rhythm of making this furniture. And so they live in a magic space. They don't have to live in this awful space of inequality. Yeah, I mean, at least I think that's where the value lays, you know. That's where the value in this experience lays, is in finding those rhythms for yourself, for yourself, for yourself.